0: Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast, where we share practical therapy tips and ideas for busy speech-language pathologists. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back as we dive into this week's episode. Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast. This is the second episode um, in our advocacy series. Um, I invited a couple SLPs to chat about all things advocacy for Better Hearing and Speech Month. And I am incredibly excited to be introducing uh, Lindsay Zoroski. She is an SLPD CCC SLP. Um, She works as a speech language pathologist and diagnostician in the school district of Palm Beach County. Um, She also created and maintains the popular SLP blog, Speech to the Core, and authors numerous e-products in the areas of language and literacy. She is the immediate past president for the Florida Association of Speech-Language Pathologists and Audiologists, um, and also has some other uh, advocacy advocacy roles that she plays in the SLP community. Um, So that's why I invited her here today um, to just brainstorm some different ideas with us and continue the advocacy discussion. So without further ado, hello, Lindsay.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back
0: on with you, this time talking about a little bit of a different topic. Yes, very different topic, but super helpful. And like you already gave a little bit of a sneak peek about all of the different like tips and ideas and I am so excited, I can't wait. Um, so before we dive into all of the good stuff, um, can you just break down what advocacy is? Like, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Um, just a quick run through there. Sure. And I think
1: advocacy looks a little bit different for everyone, depending on where you are in your career or where you work um, or what you're involved in. But we can look at advocacy as being defined as um, the ability to have or take part in an action that um, we are looking to either recommend or, you know, support a cause or um, or kind of just pleading for what we want to do in support of um, a specific issue. And then when we look at what ASHA says, ASHA says that we're looking at advocacy as being essential and necessary, For which, you know, ASHA as our association, our national organization and affiliated state associations uh, support and help to assist and advance our professions, both in audiology and speech language pathology. And really looking and delving deeper into that public policy, uh, political action, and popular opinions that we have like as our, you know, in the trenches, SLPs um, and, and audiologists. Don't want to forget about those audiologists. Um, and so, when we look at that, we're looking at what are those issues that are facing us today, but also looking ahead to the future, and how do we uh, try to get those issues to the forefront, both uh, within our specific work settings through our organizations, as well as um, at that political agenda level, um, and to get legislation passed to support us in our professions.
0: Well, thank you for that overview, super helpful. Um, and now I'm super curious to hear kind of more of your story. How did you in, get involved in that role? Uh, what do your experiences look like? Like whatever you're willing to share. I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty
1: much an open book. So I've been a speech language pathologist for 15 years now, and um, my career has taken all sorts of different turns. I think the the one piece that has been stable is that I've been a school-based SLP for my entire career. I do some other things on the side, but Um, I was never really uh, involved with any associations early on in my career, or even at the student level. I was uh, a student um, member of NISHLA, the National Student Speech Hearing Association, when I was at Florida State in my undergrad program. But after that, I really just sort of Kind of dropped off the whole volunteering and being involved, uh, you know, map. And so, back in 2013, um, I had been an SLP for eight years. I decided to kind of take a leap of faith and be like, oh, I'm going to get involved. And I applied for Ash's Leadership Development Program, and they have different cohorts each year. Um, And this one, they had two different ones happening at that time. There was an early career professional and a school uh, cohort. And I really wanted to apply for the school one. And um, someone that was close to me had kind of just said, you know, you don't need to pigeonhole yourself into just doing school stuff. You can go ahead and do the early career one because you might get exposed to SLPs and audiologists that are in different fields. And maybe you can, uh, you know, have a a broader view of things. And I was like, huh, okay," Um, which you know i think looking back i could have done either one and still walked away with an amazing uh experience um but i did get accepted into the program and the program is a year-long um program and what it does is you participate in webinars face-to-face workshops and you complete a leadership project and the ultimate goal of that program is to help speech language without speech language pathologists and audiologists to foster their leadership skills and with the hope that you're ultimately going to give back to the profession in myriad of ways and that includes volunteering at the state level through your state association um through asha or within your workplace uh, getting involved on committees um or advocating within your workplace for specific issues uh within your own community through like being a, a social media um uh expert and then as well as being an advocate like through related organizations like maybe the national education association or um international dyslexia association any different related associations um and so for me during that time uh the topics that were covered they just really struck me as um changing me as a professional and those were those include things like leading and participating in virtual meetings, building high performing teams, motivation and influence, coaching and mentoring, conflict management and strategic thinking and In addition, we, you know, also as part of this program, you completed an emotional intelligence assessment um, to be able to build upon your strengths and weaknesses. And it was fascinating because the things I thought were strengths maybe weren't as strong as they I thought they were and things that I thought were weaknesses were more of my strengths, but it really helped me to uh, learn more about myself and how to capitalize on, on those things and as well as strengthen the areas that I was weak in. Um, So at that time, I was going through the LDP program, I decided to attend my state conference for the first time in uh, probably... 10 years um, since I was a student, Although while I had always gone to ASHA, I went to ASHA every year from the time I was a grad student um, and still do, I had never really been a, a huge supporter of my state association. Again, I can't really tell you why I think it was because um, it wasn't really talked about when I was in grad school. There wasn't really anybody pushing it or supporting it. And so I went to the state association um, and I presented for the first time. I had never presented before. Um, and so during that time I met Deborah Dixon and she was the former ASHA director of school services. Um, and I took a chance, I walked up and I was super nervous and I introduced myself and we instantly established a rapport and developed a working relationship. I had told her that I was in the leadership development program and, um, I was like, Oh, you know, if you have any advice. And so we just got to talking and emailing back and forth. And from there, um, some different doors open for me. I just started to t- start taking some chances and presenting on school issues at the state level continually as well as the national level at Asha. Um, and so there were some different opportunities there. But in addition, at that time, the president, the current president of FLASHA, which was Vivian Top Klein, she had said, hey, would you be interested in getting involved with FLASHA some more? And I was like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of time, which is what we hear from a lot of people, right? We hear, oh, you know, I don't have that much time to give back to an association. It's, it's time consuming. And she said, well, you don't have to run for a board position. I'm looking for someone to chair a task force to address school issues. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like something up my alley. It's directly related to my job and what I do and what I'm interested in. And so the goal was to determine the highest priorities for school-based SLPs in Florida. And so the task force uh, developed a survey. We sent it out all over the state, members and non-members, and compiled the information to determine that caseload workload issues were the most pressing issues, which It probably isn't a a surprise to anyone, Um, but from there, we started working on developing a caseload workload legislative plan, and that was due to the fact that Florida, like many other states, uh, does not currently have a caseload workload cap. And so the task force continued working for several years to develop uh, legislation. Um, We, members of the group, including myself, met with various legislators, whether it was in their home offices um, or along with meeting with legislators at the state capitol, along with our lobbyists. Um, And we did successfully obtain a sponsor for that bill, and it did make it all the way, but it didn't make it all the way to the committee floor. So we're revamping and working on that. Um, And it's just an ongoing uh, advocacy issue. So in addition, I became further involved with the state association through the time of this task force, um, I ran for a board position um, and it was the vice president of SLP practices for FLASHA. And then it sort of just became like a natural transition. I wanted to become involved more. It was like, I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I was like, oh, I wanna do more. So I ran for president elect and then that went into the president of our state association. So I just ended my presidency um, two, uh, at the end in June. Um, so I was president for the state association for two years and now I'm the immediate past president for two years. Um, I'd always had this little uh, secret goal. of I don't know if it was secret, but goal to become ASHA president one day. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, but um, I don't know where my path will lead me, but we'll see. Um, so now as the past president of FLASHA, um, I'm still, you know, involved with our board work, but I'm also involved in uh, committee work through ASHA. I was um I got involved with ASHA, I kept putting my name in, and I know we hear a lot from people on social media that say, "I, you know, I put my name in uh, for committees and I never got called upon. Well, the there are so many SLPs that put their names in that, and there aren't enough boards, committees, um, or councils for everyone to get involved in. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later about, you know, how else can we get involved and to just keep putting your name out there. Um, because I think that the more you do, I kept putting my name in and putting my name and putting my name in. And then finally I got a call one day about being on a uh, committee, which was the school finance committee. And I have to tell you, I was like school finance. I don't know anything about finance, uh, but it turned out to be uh The best learning experience and being able to provide input as an uh, in-the-trenches school-based SLP um, brought a different perspective to that group. And now I'm currently a member of ASHA's School Issues Advisory Board, where we discuss current issues that face school-based SLPs, and then that is uh, communicated to the ASHA Board of Directors. In addition, I am also the president-elect of CSAP, which is the Council of State Association Presidents. So this is a group of um, state association presidents that get together, discuss the issues that face the different states, um, and try to determine ways that we can further uh, help and spread the mission and visions of our state associations to all speech-language pathologists and audiologists uh, across all of our states. Um, so that's kind of the story of how I got to where I'm at, I guess, today. Um, it was, it seemed a lot faster when I was just telling you about it, but it's, it was a much slower process. Um, but I am grateful for those different steps and, um, different people who have come across, you know, my path to help me, um, and to really urge me to get involved or to stay involved.
0: Yeah, that's, I love hearing your journey and all of the amazing things that you've done. That is so incredibly inspiring. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, and then I have like a sub question here because like you've, you work as a school-based SLP, like you're doing, like you've got a lot on your plate, like you have your blog and all of the resources you're creating um, and then adding on all of these different roles. Like, do you have any Like, do you feel like you have any tips in terms of like how you juggled that or how you prioritized or just how you made that element happen? Because I feel like that's one of the most common concerns is like, I don't have time for all that.
1: Right. And I I think that I had to um, reprioritize. So my blog has sort of taken a backseat, unfortunately, while I love that avenue of being able to share and communicate. I'm now taken more to like using just like Instagram and Facebook to share quick posts um, rather than actually blogging um, because I had to, you know, something had to sort of go and it's not my, it's not my husband and it's not the dog. (laughs) So, um, and my job comes first and foremost, and then comes all of the other volunteer uh, experiences. So I think that it is a matter of deciding um, what you want to do and how you want to do it. I do try to make time, I think, for it all, I'm kind of like in air quotes, because there you, you never have enough time. But I think it's determining what your priorities are and what's important to you. And for me, it's still continuing to advocate on behalf of school-based SLPs. Um, I think that there are so many things that, um, you know, we are faced with that we – you know we need to continue to uh, fight for what we need and to do our jobs effectively. And and for many of us in our states, that's uh, caseload and workload because many of our states don't have caps.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that absolutely makes sense, and that really leads really nicely into the next question. Uh, and you kind of addressed it already, but like, why is it important for SLPs to get involved with advocacy? Because I know a lot of us are thinking, well, it's just me. Um, Like, what am I going to do? So what would you say to?
1: So I think a lot of us do think that, right? Just like, you know, I'm just one person. What difference does it make? But if we think about that, that's like voting for the president, right? We say like, well, why do I need to vote? Like, you know, there's so many other people voting. But even that one vote can make a difference. Um, and so I think our one voice can make a difference, but it, we shouldn't be thinking about it that it's just me. It should be like I'm an individual and then we as an like SLPs and audiologists as a collective whole can allow uh, our voices to be heard by um, participating in advocacy efforts and volunteering. Um, and that's the only way that we can actually efficiently get things done um, if we are all kind of working in this together. And I know uh, right now, I think that's kind of timely because we're hearing like through COVID-19, like we're all in this together, but we should, shouldn't just be during a time of pandemic. We should be all in this together all the time. Um, and um, that's one of the things that comes up a lot in state associations um, is like, well, why should I be a member? I don't really see the value. Um, sometimes it's from school-based SLPs, sometimes it's for medical SLPs or private SLPs private practice SLPs, and they'll say, well, um, the state association doesn't do anything for me. That What we see is when something is happening in that specific setting, um, which could vary year to year, that's when we see uh, members increase depending on what's happening. But then what happens is is we lose members year to year because it's like well there's nothing happening in regard to school-based SLP so I don't need to be involved Um, but we need to be involved as a collective whole because it impacts us as a profession and we shouldn't be looking at it as setting specific Um, we are a profession of speech language pathologists and audiologists and if we work together we can get more things done
0: beautifully said (laughs) I love it so that's super helpful Um, And then, so if now we're totally convinced and on board and ready (laughs) to tackle all the things, um, what are some of tips that you have to start getting involved? And like, where would you even start? So I think for some people, um,
1: you know, I kind of did a reverse. I got involved with Asha a little bit before I got involved with um, Lasha. But I think for most people, it's actually um, easier to get involved with the state. At the state level before you jump to the national level it's kind of like that you know you need to crawl before you walk um but i think that it's whatever doors are open to you so um if you can volunteer for um a committee in your state association um but like first you could just start with following asha advocacy on Facebook and Twitter and following some of the issues because they could post something you're like, oh, that resonates with me. And then you could then post that on your social media and it could be something small. But just sharing um, and putting out that information is one simple way of advocating. Um, And we don't really think about that, but we can use the tools that we have right at our fingertips to share that information. Um, and then we can just sign up for volunteer opportunities. Each year, like um, I know in our state, we just had a call for board nominations um, and we were looking for people to fill five positions on the Flasha of board. Um, and so we have a full slate and now we're doing our uh, elections process in our state. But if you're not interested, if you're one of those people and you're like, "Eh, I don't want to run for a board position, um, you could get involved with being on a committee. You could just email uh, one of the board members and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in schools. I'm interested in government. I'm interested in membership. Um, I'm interested in just posting some stuff on social media do you have an opportunity for me? And many associations are looking for people just to help out in any way. And so I think if you just put it out there, um, you'd have uh, some sort of communication, opening those lines of communication with the state associations. now. Ash is a bit more formal as in terms of signing up for volunteer opportunities. You can't just call up Ash and say, I want to volunteer, um, but you can, they put each year, they put out a, a formal call for volunteers. Um, and that's your opportunity to look at the various boards, councils, and committee uh, vacancies and, you know, check off the areas of interest for you. I remember my one time I received a call and it was actually about joining the board of ethics. And I was like, mm, I don't think I'm ready to do that. And then I was Uh, a little nervous because I thought maybe I had closed the door on all opportunities. But honestly, I think I made the right decision because I wasn't ready to take on what that committee actually entailed. And um, instead, a few years later, I was able to participate in a different committee. It took several years before that opportunity came up again. But for me, it was the right time to say yes and to say no. So. Again, you can get involved, like starting at that small scale, just getting involved in a committee at your state association. Um, a lot of times state associations are looking for volunteers for their state convention, which happens yearly. Or if you have like some have spring conventions and fall conventions, um, but getting involved that way and you can volunteer, you can, you know, volunteer to introduce speakers. Um, and a lot of times I think um, it's about networking. So it's about getting to know different uh, people around your state and, and then figuring out where you kind of fit um in depending on what your setting is um or what your interests are and again just then using your social media accounts to promote what our roles and responsibilities are for speech language pathologists in various settings Um, even providing like little quick tips and tricks for what you're doing uh, within your setting
0: lots of ideas and i'm curious too so I haven't been been very involved at the state level, um, but I I know that like I could volunteer at the conference, like you said, like helping introduce speakers or just with any of the logistics around that. Like, what other types of things could a state uh, association potentially need volunteers for? Like, is it usually just around the conference or?
1: No, what so so like um, each state um, has like their own uh, structure for committees, some structure very similar to ASHA, others have different uh, structures for their committees. Um, but like one of our committees is in Florida, we have a governmental ed committee. And um, so our VP for gov- governmental ed, ha- you know, that, that committee has been around a long time and people have come and gone, but they have a pretty solid committee. Um, and they work on different issues that come up. So one of the issues that has come up um, and that they were successful at was our SLPA uh, supervision requirements. So in Florida, we've had SLPAs for many, many years, um, but we are a very stringent state in regard to our supervision requirements. Um, and so our committee worked with our Department of Health to um, change the rules um, and to support uh, some changes to that SLPA uh, rules uh, and provided a revision. So that team worked for, uh, I want to say about two years, maybe a little longer, um, but they worked as a committee and then through the support of FLASHA worked with our Department of Health. Um, So again, and then we have things like, you know, many states have an education committee. So if you're a school-based SLP and you want to work on something like caseload workload or, uh, salary supplements or different things, you know, I would say a lot of times salary goes through, you know, the local education agencies, but things like that. Um, there are different committees, like we have a membership committee. So many, um, many states are looking to increase membership. So having, you know, how do you reach out and reach out to your, you know, network, um, and help to, uh, increase support for the state association and getting involved. Um, So those are just a few ways, I think, really, um, you know, just starting small and and seeing what it is that you can get involved with.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful just to have like an overview of the different types of things that they are working on. um, And if any of those sound particularly interesting, um, and maybe if we're just kind of getting our dipping our toes in the water, seeing what we might be interested in. Um, Like you said, just contacting the um, like any of the board members Mm -hmm. to say, like, hey, I'm interested in like learning more. Is there anything I can do to help? So maybe you can like offer support with one of those projects without doing.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, like even like students, we, you know, I teach um, as an adjunct professor and uh, I, I teach a school-based class. And so a lot of times I'll ask during our, we're talking about uh, one of our last lectures and we talk about future trends and getting involved. And I always ask, you know, because the students are from all over the country, I'll say, are you involved in your state association? And some will say yes, and some will say I should be, no, and I get all sorts of different answers. But those are kind of representative of the same answers we get, not just from students, but that we get from our professionals, right? Our working C and professionals that say, mm, no, yes, I should be. Uh, I don't know why I'm not. Um, and so students can get involved in a little bit of a different way. Um, many universities have their own university chapters of uh, NISHLA, so the National Student Speech-Hearing Language Association. Um, they have their university chapters, and then there's national NISHLA. And one of the great things about that is that they have uh, the gift to the grad, that conversion program. So if you're a member of NISHLA, you do get a discount when you're applying for your uh, C's and things like that. So there are some advantages to being a student member of NISHLA. Um, but also by being involved, you can do um, a lot of uh, volunteer work. You can get some different opportunities. Um, and a lot of students also within the university chapters participate with the state association to put on like a student advocacy day where the, the students might visit um, their capital and go on hill visits or get to uh, see something, you know, or meet with a lobbyist or uh, a legislator that the association has a good relationship with. And again, just kind of get that opportunity while they're students, um, sort of like just, you know, getting a little taste of what it will be like when they are working professionals. Um, and then also for students, a lot of times, um, Again, like ASHA has students volunteer at their convention, the big convention each year, um, but also states are looking for student volunteers as well. So that's another way. Some, some states even have a student sit on their board, um, not every state, but some states do. Um, so they have like a student uh, representative. So those are again, just ways for students to be involved uh, starting from when they're in graduate
0: school. And yeah, that's amazing. So all sorts of good things out there. Um, and then so you shared a lot of advocacy opportunities already, especially at the like the state level and then at the national level with Asha like do you have any other examples that you want to share at those levels or are there any other ideas that,
1: Yeah, so I think there's some that people maybe not may not be aware of. So um, there's for this is both for I think young professionals, which young professionals typically 10 years or less, and as well as us that are seasoned professionals, um, and seasoned not meaning, you know, by age, but how long we've been in the profession. Um, So the state level, they there are some volunteer opportunities that coordinate between the state and uh, ASHA. And so three of those are through the SEAL, Stars, and Stamps. So I'll tell you a little bit about each of those. Um, SEALs are state education advocacy leaders, and these are individuals who are appointed typically by your president of the state association, um, but they work um, as you know, members who are going to uh, work and be on a committee sort of with ASHA where you are on a monthly call. um, And then you take back that information and present that and share that with your uh, state association. Some states have their like VP of education, be that SEAL. A lot of times they try to separate that and not have their board member do it, but have somebody else um, who is interested in being that representative. And so SEALs, they advocate on what it does, education issues, Um, and these are things like caseload and workload, um, personnel standards, um, and it's really to continue to work on the goal is to uh, perpetuate uh, advocacy, leadership, and any other skills that our members need to know of both at the national and the state level to support our services within the school setting. in addition, we have what are called STARS, which are state advocates for reimbursement. So these are could be um, speech language pathologists and audiologists, again, who are appointed by their state president. Um, and uh, they're looking to really uh, improve healthcare coverage and reimbursement. Um, so these could be targeting people like private practices, public agencies, as well as our legislation. Um, and it can cover things like insurance, benefits,
0: thanks for listening to the SLP Now podcast. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speech therapy PD. So yes, you can earn ASHA CEUs for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your SLP friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. See you next time.